Let us pray. God, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. The stories we love make us who we are. That's the title of an article uh, written by the renowned novelist Salman Rushdie recently. And of course he's right. Stories make us who we are. And so during this Lenten season, we hear a lot of stories in our worship services on Sunday morning. Stories that the church has loved. Last week, the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Next week, it's the story of Jesus uh, in a conversation he has with a woman at a well. And then the story of the healing of a blind man. Of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And then all the stories of Holy Week, of Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter morning. And we read those stories, and we read them again and again because we trust that they can make us who we are created to be, the kind of people we're created to be, the kind of community that we are created to be. And so this morning, we've just heard the story of Nicodemus. It is a story about listening, about listening to Jesus, how to listen, and what can happen when we do. Reading this story, I hear, I hear three lessons about listening to Jesus. And the first is, don't be afraid of the dark. And so it begins, now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night. Nicodemus came in the darkness of night. And we're not told why, but it's not hard for me to imagine. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Nicodemus was devoutly religious. Now, in the Gospel of John, the Pharisees get a pretty bad rap, and we could talk a long time about that. But the Pharisees were committed to living out their faith daily and practically and comprehensively. Nicodemus was also a leader. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin were a council of 70 Jewish leaders who held great sway over the way that that faith was lived out. Well, just prior to the story that we've heard, Jesus very publicly, very prophetically challenged the way that faith was being left out. The story today is at the start of chapter 3. At the end of chapter 2 is the story of Jesus cleansing the temple. When Jesus arrived in Jerusalem, he went to the temple, and what he found were people selling animals, people changing money, people going through the religious paces. What he found was business as usual, religion as usual, And then Jesus made sure it wasn't religion as usual anymore. He upended the tables. He emptied the money changer's strong boxes. He drove off the animals, and he loudly said, Stop making my father's house in a marketplace. It was quite a scene. All of that had just happened. So I can imagine why Nicodemus comes at night. I can imagine Nicodemus knows that things are not right. I can imagine Nicodemus isn't content either with religion that's pious and formulaic and performative. I can imagine Nicodemus isn't content with politics that are expedient and manipulative and self-serving. I like this guy. I'm pretty religious myself. I'm even a religious leader. I know, and you do too, that things are not right, not in our religion and not in our politics. I mean, the prevailing view of religion in America today is that Christians are hypocritical and judgmental and exclusive and just kind of mean. 
And when it comes to politics, Christian nationalism is a growing force. It bared its teeth on January 6th. Something is not right. Nicodemus knew it. Nicodemus also knew that it would cost him to listen to Jesus. And he came anyway at night. Nicodemus wasn't afraid of the dark. There's an old story about a man uh, who was walking home late one night. And he noticed across the street a fellow standing under a street light. Looked like maybe he'd had a little bit too much to drink. He was looking for something, and so the, the man crossed over, and he said to the fellow, how you doing? And uh, not good. He said, I lost my car keys. And so the man said, well, I'll help you look. And they looked, and they looked, and they looked some more. And finally he said to the, to the fellow, are, are you sure you lost your car keys here? And, and the fellow looked up, and he said, well, no, actually, I lost them over there, and he pointed up the street a little ways. And so the man raised his hand. He said, well, why, why are we looking here? And the fellow said, well, it's light here. It's dark over there. Sometimes we have to look for what we're trying to find in the dark. We have to look in spaces that are uncertain, spaces that are unknown. We have to look in places that are beyond what we can already see, that maybe even feel a little dangerous. For Nicodemus, it would have been easier to stay home that night, light a candle, have a cup of tea. He wouldn't have found what he was looking for. It's always easier to avoid what's wrong. It's always easier to stay in non-threatening places. But Nicodemus wasn't afraid to be open, to be truthful, to be vulnerable. And that lesson still holds for us. Don't be afraid of the dark. I mean, personally, it can be hard to be honest about what's not right in our lives what we've done or what we've left undone, um, the pain, the failures that we've buried and hope will just go away, uh, the harmful habits that we don't really want to have to acknowledge. It's always easier to look away, to avoid what we know can be difficult, but we're not going to find what we're looking for. And the same is true for us as a congregation. It's always easier to avoid hard conversations. It's always easier to stick with painless pieties, business as usual, Religion as usual. It's hard to talk about race. I mean, we're having a conversation now about racial inequities, about doing the work of seeking racial justice. There are a lot of people in this country, a lot of people in churches in this country who desperately do not want to talk about race, who don't want to have anyone talk about race and certainly don't want our kids to learn about the racialized history of this country. In the same way, it's always going to be easier to studiously stay neutral about conflicts in the world. We read about the conflict in Israel and Palestine right now. It's always going to be easier to be studiously neutral about the way that Palestinians and Arabs are being treated by this oppressive Israeli government. But if we're going to listen to Jesus, then we have to be ready to look in difficult, uncomfortable, vulnerable places. Don't be afraid of the dark. Often enough, that's where we're going to find what we're looking for, what we need. It was in the darkness at the beginning of time that God called creation forth. It was in the darkness of a stable that Mary gave birth to the Christ child. It was in the darkness of the tomb that Christ was raised from the dead. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Don't be afraid of the dark. Second, when you listen to Jesus, expect to be confused. 
Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with that person. Nicodemus comes to Jesus as a colleague, one teacher to another, one leader to another. It has a feel of a professional visit, almost a professional courtesy call. I'm sure Nicodemus was cordial. I'm sure Nicodemus was polite. I imagine he was hoping for some insight, maybe some better understanding of this movement. Whatever Nicodemus expected, though, Jesus' response is most unexpected. It's like almost a complete non sequitur. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And if you were confused listening to this, join the club, because Nicodemus was too. Who said anything about childbirth? What are we talking about here? And that confusion is compounded because Nicodemus seems to have misunderstood Jesus. Jesus talked about being born from above. The Greek word there, and I took Greek a long time ago, so I'm just relying on other scholars. Don't imagine I remember this from a class 35 years, okay, 40 years ago. But the word there holds several meanings. One of the words there, one of the meanings is from above. The other meaning is again. And that's the meaning that Nicodemus locks on to. The the, the, the literal meaning, and so Nicodemus asks How can a person be born again? How can a grown man enter his mother's womb again? And the confusion is a little bit comical, but it's helpful. When Jesus talks about being born from above, he's talking about a radical change. He's talking about a new start. When Nicodemus mishears Jesus talking of entering a womb again, he hears Jesus talking of something that's impossible, and it is. And that's the point. Nicodemus came to Jesus because he knows things aren't right. He knows things need to change, but he can't imagine how. Given what he knows, given what he's experienced, he can't see how he can make it happen. It seems impossible. And that's how I feel most of the time too. It seems impossible. And he's right. And that's the point that Jesus is making. Something's gotta change. But that something is ultimately bigger than Nicodemus is and bigger than we are. That something is beyond us. That something has to come from above. It has to come from above because we don't have the capacity to undo what we've done. We can't go go back to before, before the bad choices, before the unintended consequences. We can't pretend that harm or damage or deceit never happened. Jesus says we have to be born from above. It has to be God's doing. It has to be an act of grace. There's a French philosopher, Vladimir Yankelevich, who put it this way. He writes, the will, the will can do all except one thing. Undo that which it has done. The power of undoing is of another order, of the order of grace. It is a miracle. To undo what's been done, to begin again, to make all things new, is always an act of grace, an act of forgiveness, of mercy, of healing, of justice, of reconciliation. It is an act of God, an act from above. And precisely because it's from above, it can often be confusing. It can leave us unsettled, even disturbed. You know, St. Augustine is famous for writing, um, since it is God we are speaking of, you do not understand. If you could understand, 
it would not be God. The kind of radically new way of living together that Jesus talks about, the kingdom of God, the beloved community, requires forgiveness and mercy and healing and justice and reconciliation that seems just about impossible. It has to come from above, from beyond us. It is a miracle. So, if you listen to Jesus, Jesus will always push us beyond what we know, what we can make sense of, what we can imagine. If you listen to Jesus, expect to be confused and unsettled and disturbed. Even welcome it. There's a prayer that's attributed uh, to, to Walter Raleigh. He's a famous sailor. I learned this when I was in a sailing class a while back. He wrote, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have become true because we dreamed too small, when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we've lost our thirst for the waters of life. Disturb us, Lord, to dare boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery, not ours, where in losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. This we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. If you're going to listen to Jesus, expect to be confused. And third, be careful what you ask for. Nicodemus came at night, and it's not clear what he expected or what he hoped for. He ended up being confused. His last words are found in verse 9. The last thing Nicodemus says is, how can these things be? And then he's gone from the story. Nicodemus is written out of the story. The words of Jesus continue on to the end of verse 15. And then uh, John, the author, takes over in verses 16 and 17 with sort of an author summary. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Well, what happened to Nicodemus? Nicodemus actually appears twice more in John's gospel. That's the only, the only place. And those later appearances make clear that when Nicodemus listened to Jesus, something started to change in him. So Nicodemus next appears in chapter 7. It's a contentious scene. Jesus is back in Jerusalem again, again challenging religion as usual. The Pharisees, most of them anyway, want to arrest him, be done with him. And it's Nicodemus who uh, pumps the brakes on their scheme. Not quite a full confession of faith, but Nicodemus is the one who encourages them to, to first give a hearing to Jesus, to listen. Nicodemus appears again the second time at the end of John, chapter 19, after Jesus has been crucified. It's Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea who prepare his body for burial. We're told that Nicodemus brought along with him myrrhs and aloes weighing a hundred pounds. It's all in plain sight now. Nicodemus stays with Jesus to the end. So, be careful. Because if you listen to Jesus, there's a pretty good chance it's going to start to change your life. If you listen to Jesus talk about life, you might start rethinking the way you're living your life. If you listen to Jesus talk about the kingdom of God, about the beloved community, you might find yourself hoping for things that you had thought were impossible. If you listen to Jesus calling us to follow him, you might end up doing things you never would have imagined. So, be careful. 
Now, after that scene in John 19, uh, we don't hear of Nicodemus again. We don't know what became of him. And that's how a lot of these gospel stories are. They're open-ended. And they're open-ended to make room for us. So we can put ourselves in the story. Find where it takes us. So Elie Wiesel wrote, uh, to listen to a story is to play a part in it. To take sides. To say yes or no. To move one way or the other. That's what happens when we listen to these stories. When we listen to Jesus. We have to decide what part we're going to play. Whether we're going to say yes or no. What way we're going to go. During Lent, we hear a lot of stories. What's your story going to be? Amen.